0: A crime boss takes the Beyonder under his wing, teaches him how to run a criminal empire, and hooks him up with plenty of ladies. Like, six of them. But, you know, at the same time. I mean, wow, Jim. Wow. Here it is, folks. Kick the can and damn the man. It's time for Event or Else, the podcast where I go through most every major Marvel and DC event one issue at a time, one episode at a time, all in the hopes that maybe one day my father will finally tell me that he loves me. I'm your host. My name is Steven. And that was a joke, y'all. My dad loves me. He's told me so plenty of times. So don't go feeling all sorry for me, okay? At least not for that. I mean, there are countless real reasons to feel sorry for me, but that could be a podcast all by itself. Instead, why don't we talk about Secret Wars 2 issue number three? That's why we're here. At least that's why I'm here. I don't I don't I can't speak for y'all. Anyway, this issue sports a cover date of September 1985, but it hit the shelves in July. And the title of the issue is This World is Mine. It was written by Jim Shooter. Pencils by Al Milgram, inks by Steve Lay, Aloha, letters by Joe Rosen, and the colorist was Christy Scheel. This issue of Secret Wars 2 continues from Fantastic Four, issue number 282, and it goes a little something like this. After being rousted by a cop or sleeping on a street corner, the Beyonder wanders off to continue his exploration of New York City. Along the way, he meets a prostitute named Toots, who, of course asks him if he wants a date. The Beyonder, exhausted from just being out doing things in his human body, straight up yawns in her face. Toots tells him that he should rent a room at a local hotel and get himself a good night's sleep. Furthermore, she'll come with him and tuck him in. not to me, not a me, not notch, notamin, say no more. But, she continues, she ain't going nowhere until she sees some cash. Recalling what he'd learned about money in the previous issue, the Beyonder makes a bar of gold materialize out of thin air. Toots, who doesn't believe for an instant that the gold is real, is a bit creeped out over the encounter. The Beyonder then teleports away, materializing in the lobby of the nearby Columbus Hotel, which is quite the sh-hole. The proprietor, thinking that the Beyonder is rich based only on the suit he's wearing, rents him a room with plans to rob him in the middle of the night. A bit later, As the Beyonder is having a good snooze on the floor of his room, he wakes to find he is no longer alone. In the room with him is Toots, her pimp Chulo, and Chulo's boss, Vinny. Vinny, who is super interested in meeting the guy that can make gold bars appear out of nowhere, gives the Beyonder a new name, Frank, and takes him under his wing. Over the coming weeks, Vinny gives Frank a place to stay, buys him a ton of expensive crap, Has his hair both permed and dyed black, and teaches him everything he considers to be the most important aspects of life, such as having sex with multiple partners at one time and running a successful criminal empire. In return, all Frank has to do is use his godlike powers to rough up Vinny's rivals, make Vinny's stable of prostitutes immune to all viruses and germs and such, cure Vinny's son of his dyslexia. Make Vinny's wife thin and young again, and of course, create gold for Vinny out of thin air. But not too much. After all, they don't want to flood the market and devalue the stuff. Smart thinking, Vinny. It's not long before Frank has made a life for himself in Vinny's employ, until eventually, Vinny tells Frank that it's time for him to go out and make a name for himself. And so, Frank does just that by running his own criminal organization making fat cash, and living in the lap of luxury. But soon, that's not enough for Frank. He needs more. And so he takes over the Kingpin's empire, using his powers to make the Kingpin and his people completely loyal to Frank. Even then, Frank's not satisfied. And so he decides to use his powers to take over the entire world, not only making every human being loyal to him, but animals, nature and even the very building blocks of life acknowledge him as absolute master of the earth everyone seems to be affected by this except for owen reese also known as the molecule man who while watching tv with his girlfriend marcia also known as volcana detects frank's tampering wondering what his friend is up to owen uses his powers to free marcia from frank's well the beyonders influence before settling back on the couch with his lady to watch F Troop. Eventually, despite ruling over every person, place, and thing in the world, the Beyonder finds that he still isn't satisfied. After visiting Toots, he realizes that having everyone's loyalty means nothing if he has to force it out of them using his awesome powers. Fulfillment comes from earning what you have, not from simply taking it. And so he releases his hold upon the earth, and decides that if he is to rule over the human race he must earn that rule instead of just taking it the beyonder then decides to pay a visit to the avengers teleporting to avengers mansion where he is met by jarvis the avengers butler who informs him that the avengers are currently away on a mission in deep space deciding to go and see them the beyonder teleports away he returns to earth hours later depressed at the outcome of whatever it was he did in what is an obvious tie-in story that you won't get without reading issues outside of the main event. He remembers what Vinnie told him about gambling and realizes that perhaps it's not just trying to do something that reaches fulfillment, but taking a gamble and the possibility of failure that makes it that much more satisfying. Suddenly, he hatches a plan, a game to play, one that won't work without a lawyer one used to unusual legal work, one with no fear of anything. And so as the issue ends, the Beyonder sets off to find Matt Murdock. <laughs> oh, my gracious goodness. This, i just when I thought that this event couldn't get, I don't know if I want to use the word worse <laughs> or even crazy. This This issue, and I will like to point out we are only three issues in. We're not even halfway through with this event. And I don't know what Jim was thinking when he <laughs> wrote this issue, but let's go through it. I don't, I don't think I'm going to go through each and every page, but there are certain things I want to point out. As always, we'll start with the cover. We have a shot of the Earth from space. We see all of our heroes, such as Daredevil, Hercules, Tigra, Monica Rambeau, Captain Marvel. Vision, Captain America, Scarlet Witch, Wonder Man, The Hulk, Iron Man, Black Knight, Mockingbird, Hawkeye, and Star Fox. I think that's his name. Anyway, they are around the outside of the Earth getting ready to attack a large, looming, four times the size of Earth figure of the Beyonder. And the title on it says, The Beyonder Conquers the World. And I want to point out real quick that none of these heroes appear in the issue. Not really. Not technically. There's a flashback sequence where the Beyonder is telling the story of where he came from to somebody. And so we get a couple of pages that kind of recaps the the first event, Secret Wars. And the heroes appear in that. But as far as the actual story, no heroes appear in this issue. So like the synopsis said, we, we open, there's a splash page. The Beyonder is asleep sitting on the ground on a street corner, leaning up against a lamppost, and a cop comes and rousts him awake, and he asks the Beyonder for his license. He needs an ID. He says, a driver's license or something. Where are you from, mister? And the Beyonder tells him that he is from beyond, to which the the cop wonders aloud if that's the name of a town. And so the Beyonder decides to show him where he's from, and he opens a portal to his realm. Right there on the street, and the cop is looking through this portal and he's just all kinds of dazed because basically he says there's a hole in the air with just emptiness inside. And the Beyonder explains, Well, that's because I'm here. I am the one who is all from that realm. So with him being here, there's nothing there in that realm. We get the encounter between the Beyonder and Toots. The Beyonder creates the bar of gold for her and just drops it on the ground. She doesn't believe that it's gold and She's she's actually leaning. She's in an alley. She's leaning against this building in the alley and he asks her what she's doing. And she, you know, jokingly says, I'm I'm just standing here holding up the wall. So when he creates this gold bar and drops, he, he goes to hand it to her, basically, and she moves her hand out of the way. So it falls on the ground. She kind of freaks out a bit and she backs away from him, to which he points out that she's no longer holding up that wall. And so he creates these massive. Like, well, they look like concrete, but I'm sure there's some kind of alien material, but he creates these massive structural supports to hold up the wall. And that's when she screams and she's about to run away, but he teleports away into the lobby of the Columbus Hotel, which is very near them. It's the hotel that she suggested they go to so that she could tuck him in for the night. Say no more, say no more, now to me, nudge, nudge. And he is given a room. They tell him that he doesn't have to pay. He says, you can pay me in the morning because you look so trustworthy, the guy says. And this guy is about as smarmy looking as they come. And of course, he's thinking to himself that he, you know, the guy's obviously rich, so he's just gonna rob him at night. He goes up to his room. He figures out where his room is. And I should add that as he's going up the steps, he's not actually walking up the steps. He's making the motion. It looks like he's motioning the act of walking, but he's about three feet above the stairs, just hovering in the air. And he notices that there's a number on his key that matches a number on a door. So he figures that's his his room. That's where he's supposed to stay. But rather than using his key to open the door, he just phases through the door and he goes into the room. He doesn't understand what it means to sleep or where you would, you know, if when you are to sleep, basically, you're supposed to do it on a bed or, or or on a couch or maybe in a Lazy Boy Ooh, or a hammock out in the noonday, cool spring crisp air. But no, he, he just lays down on the floor and he goes to sleep. And several hours later, he's awakened with a bunch of people in his room. And I really want to talk about this panel because it's the panel that introduces us to Vinny. But furthermore, Vinny has brought a bunch of people with him. And for some reason, which really is for story purposes only, so we all know who these people are, he spends this panel and one, two, three, four, five word balloons, chock full of text, to introduce everybody that he's with. I'm going to read it to you because it's kind of funny. Hi, you kid. Allow me to introduce ourselves. This big guy here. There's a there's a a guy right next to him who is a who's like a head taller than him and about three times as wide, just a big bruiser looking dude. Anyway, he says, the big guy here is Laverne Lacey, but don't call him that. His friends call him Smurfette. He's my bodyguard. Behind me is my bookkeeper, Millie the Purse Sheriff, which is spelled S-H-U-R-I-F-F. So I'm assuming it's Sheriff, but he's pronouncing it Sheriff. I don't know if that's a real word. I didn't look it up. So that's really weird. He continues, over there in the mink coat, we got Chulo. He's one of my guys. You've already met Toots. She's one of Chulo's girls. And you can call me Vinny. So how are you? <laughs> it's just kind of a weird introduction to all these characters. Smurfette, for example, again, he's a big bruiser, and he's standing there kind of, you know, the way tough guys do with uh, kind of tapping his fist into an open palm like I'm, I'm going to kick your ass or something. It's just, it, it's just really weird. It was a really weird panel, especially the way that he introduces everybody because he could have just said, well, first of all, he didn't need to have all those people with him. By the time you get to the end of the story, you realize that with the exception of Toots and Vinny, the rest of them don't matter. They have nothing really to do in the entire story. So spending the time to introduce them all and not only introduce them, but in the case of Laverne Lacey, we get his nickname and it's explained that he doesn't like being called Laverne Lacey and might even be violent that's that's kind of what's insinuated. We learn uh, that his bookkeeper has a nickname called the Purse Sheriff. It's just it's it's a weird waste of space, I think it was it was just an odd inclusion, but he's he's really excited to meet the Beyonder. Whom he ends up just calling Frank because he asks him what his name is, and he says, "I am from beyond." And he goes, "Oh, I'll just call you Frank." And he asks him about the gold, and he asks him where he came from, and so then we get two pages that recap the twelve issue miniseries event, Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars. But there's a couple moments. Actually, I'm wrong. It's like two and a half pages, except for the half page after the the, the two is actually a recap of what happened in the first two issues. Anyway. The Secret Wars recap has a couple of moments in it that I don't remember being in the actual series. For example, he starts out saying, in my realm, I was all the eternity of my own universe. I knew only of my own oneness until an event of great magnitude in your realm opened a pinhole in mine. Through the pinhole, I observed earth for years as you reckon time I watched. So what is the event that he's talking about that happened years back in the Marvel 616 universe on Earth that opened this pinhole? Because that, that is not at all referenced in the 12 issues of Marvel Superhero Secret Wars. And I feel like it must be something that, well, Jim just either made it up for this issue. Maybe it's something that he had originally had in, in, in the story because he also wrote Marvel Superhero Secret Wars. Maybe it's something that he originally had as part of the story, but never got to include it because there wasn't room, so in his head, he knows it's part of the backstory, so he included it here, or maybe it was mentioned in some issue after secret wars I don't know, but i found it I found it weird that it was included here uh, I found it odd because of them specifically pointing out that there was an event of great magnitude in your or our realm and and we have no idea what that is and then when he's talking about how he Gathered up all the heroes to bring them to Battle World. He mentions that he's not the actual one that that brought the villains. He chose Galactus. He says, "I caused one among these, the largest one, called Galactus, to gather the others and to leave a way open for other beings to come if they chose." That again, that wasn't a part of the miniseries. That wasn't a part. That was not a part of the event. I'm fairly certain that they did not mention in that event at all that uh, Galactus is the one that gathered the villains and left the door open so other villains could come be a part of this big battle if they wanted to. I've, I don't know. Once more, I don't know if that was something that they had mentioned outside of Marvel Superhero Secret Wars. I don't know if this is the first time that has ever come up. If you know, let me know because in a issue where there is already very little space cuz there is so much information these these three issues so far is I, i've said it before so much story is packed into these pages that it's almost almost unreadable it's just it it it's a chore to get through a lot of this stuff because there's just so much there and for him to include stuff that didn't need to be included i i just find that an odd choice so So then we get uh, a bit of a recap of what happened in issues one and two of Secret Wars 2 to catch us up to where we are now. And after hearing his story, Vinny tells him that he thinks he can help. And that's when he asks him, what's your name? And he says, I am from beyond. How about I call you Frank? Is that okay?" And the Beyonder, or now we'll call him Frank, yawns. And Vinny sees that Frank needs some sleep. So he's going to make sure he gets some more sleep. And he tells everybody else to leave. But he wants Toots to stay behind and keep him company. Oh, wicked. You're wicked. You're wicked. I nudge, nudge. And so they leave the room, leaving Frank. That's what I'm going to refer to the Beyonder as for most of the rest of this conversation. They leave Frank there alone with Toots, who sits, she sits down on the bed and she goes, Well, uh, Frank, here we are, huh? She kind of pats the bed and says, Maybe you should try sleeping on the bed this time. C- come here, honey. She seems very nervous. And as I'm getting to this point, having not reached a a, a further point in, in the comic yet, I'm wondering if Jim is trying to insinuate that the Beyonder and Toots have some sex. And I feel like that's what he's trying to insinuate. But my naive Marvel zombie brain who remembers this from back when I was, God, how old was I? 13 years old when this came out. So my 13-year-old brain probably didn't pick up on that at all and just assumed that everything, you know, that kind of stuff didn't happen with superheroes and whatnot in these in these issues. So I'm kind of dismissing it in my head. Nah, that's, that's not what he means. That's not what's happening here. And the story jumps forward then at that point, like seven hours and Vinny takes Frank and Toots out to eat. Frank wants to go back to the hot dog cart where he got a hot dog and a soda in the previous issue, but Vinny doesn't Vinny's like, nah, that's not good enough. So he takes him to a big fancy restaurant. Toots is along. He he Vinny got her a, a nice fancy dress. And immediately Frank goes to eat and he starts eating the glass that the water is in. And so Toots has to teach him how to actually eat and explain that here, you use this fork to get the food and put it in your mouth, but you don't eat the fork. And he gives it a try and he's like, that is the most amazing thing that has ever happened to me in my entire life. And so he starts chowing down. They take him to an ice cream shop where he just inhales a bunch of ice cream. And then we go to a, the next panel. It says later that evening, Frank is laying on a bed with one, two, three, four, five, six girls surrounding him. Six girls in their underwear, mind you. It's an outrage. It's a scandal. Toots is there. She's back in her, I guess you'll ca- you could call it her prostitute costume. And she looks very upset and she's telling Vinny, I could have handled this part of Frank's education myself, Vinny. You didn't need to bring these other girls. And so just that one balloon tells me that yeah, Frank's about to have sex with six girls at the same time. Oh my, my, my. The Beyonder who had Spider Man teach him how to use the toilet in the last issue and had a prostitute teach him how to use a fork to eat food in this issue is now gonna have sex with six other prostitutes at the same time. I just, it just offends my sensitive 13 year old Marvel zombie sensibilities. The next day, they buy Frank uh, a new outfit. It's like a purple freaking jumpsuit. Because as Vinny said, it it looks like he's in Duran Duran now with his jumpsuit here. He calls it his the, the mod look. The tailor who is fitting him for this jumpsuit, which may be made completely out of leather. It does kind of remind me of what Eddie Murphy wore in Raw. But the tailor is asking him, um, he says, just hold still, Mr. Uh, and Frank, of course, says, I am from beyond. And the guy says, Bayonne? Nice town if you like Jersey but what's your name? And He says Frank and he goes oh, Hold still Mr. Frank. And then we get a bunch of uh scenes where Frank now is going out to help Vinny with his business. He he roughs up the competition some some guys, some punks as Vinny calls them who are trying to muscle in on his racket. We get <laughs> we get the panel where Frank is is standing there and there's just there's literally a, I mean, there might be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight women in this line, but it's drawn in such a way that it looks like the, the line of prostitutes stretches back into infinity. And it's his entire, Vinny's entire stable of prostitutes who are one at a time coming up to Frank so he can touch them on the top of their head and use his powers to, well, as Frank puts it, I don't want any of the girls in my stable having any nasty viruses or germs or nothing. If you got so much as a cold, he'll fix you right up. Just walk by and let him touch you, girls. And the first girl in line, actually, she's the second because we have one at the bottom of the panel who's walking away after having this done. We got the the girl right behind her who also has finished having her viruses (laughs) wiped out. And she's saying, wow. He's gorgeous. And then the girl who is currently being cured of all her ills and having her immunity set for her, she goes, "Ooh, it tingles. And then Frank makes some gold. We see Frank uh, curing Vinny's son of his dyslexia. And then Vinny leans over to Frank and he says, uh, while you're at it, Frank, there's just one other little thing you could do for me. It's uh, and then the rest of the word balloon, the, the text is like kind of scribbles, small scribbles. So it's like he's whispering. <laughs> Frank says, I shall. And he waves his hand. And suddenly Vinny's wife, who was, I guess, a bit chunky, I guess. I don't know. But now she's suddenly thin and younger. And Vinny, who is he's he's an old dude. He's bald. He's got he's got the Lou Grant kind of haircut, bald on the top, hair on the back. And he goes, Gina, you look just like when I married you. And what about her? Is he he doesn't change Vinny to look like he did when he and Gina got married? Unless this is what he looked like, maybe he's never changed. He looked like an old creepy old man, a feeble crusty old white man. Beyond that, yeah, we just have Frank kind of running Vinny's little criminal empire. They uh take him to a hair salon at some point because suddenly Frank shows up. To Vinny's, I guess, office building or his 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 office, where Vinny's sitting in front of a table that has uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven large bundles of cash on top of it. Frank walks in in uh, a big red suit. It's the if if you think of the Beyonder nowadays, if you think back to the Beyonder, you look at images of the Beyonder now, when people are drawing the Beyonder. This is that image. It's that red suit. And the now black, it looks like a perm. It, I, I don't think it's supposed to be a perm, but it looks very perm-like. Um, a, a lot of people have suggested that he has been made at this point to by the artist, I guess. And I don't know if it was a Jim Shooter edict, but he's supposed to look like David Hasselhoff. I don't know if that's true or people just have made that up because of the way he looks. But yeah, he's wearing this big red suit, which... Again, makes me think of a leather suit with a big parachute pants that probably are also made out of leather. But yeah, he's got this new hairdo and he's in Vinny's office with, again, like I said, a big bunch of stacks of cash on the table. And I don't know if they're dressing him, but there are four scantily clad women around him. And I guess they're, I guess they're dressing him because he has one foot up on a stool and maybe this girl is polishing his shoe. Maybe she's, she's, she's tying it at this point. And then a couple of other girls are pulling his shirt and his jacket on. It's just Jim, 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 Jim. Granted, Jim is depicting the life of a bad guy. So all of this stuff, all this crap in these scenes, such as the freaking orgy and, and whatnot, maybe it's not something Jim is into. I'm you know I'm jumping to conclusions here. Uh maybe it's Jim going, "Okay, what could we use here in these scenes to really make Vinny look like a bad guy?" Well, we'll have him set up an orgy for Frank and we'll have him ask Frank to make his wife thin and young. That's a pretty terrible thing for somebody to do. So maybe Jim, and by Jim folks, you know I mean Big Jim Shooter, maybe this isn't him working out fantasies <laughs> on the page, but he's 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 trying to think of the worst things that a, that a bad guy could do. To Frank, and those were it. I don't know. I don't know. But Vinny eventually tells Frank that Frank needs to go and make a name for himself. So Frank does just that. He kind of starts running his own criminal empire. There's a moment where he is on his yacht, and and as he's he's being flown out to his yacht in a helicopter, and the pilot of the helicopter tells him, There she is, sir, the third biggest hydrofoil craft in the Atlantic and Frank responds I know I also bought the first and second biggest see there's this theme here that I really haven't touched on yet this theme throughout this issue and it's and it kind of starts here as Frank starts hanging out with Vinny and Vinny starts buying him things Frank is surrounding himself with items whether it be motorcycles boats he's got a uh, freaking Cuisinart in his limo that he's using to Make juice out of vegetables. He's just surrounding himself with material objects. Uh, the more that he has, the more he feels like he is somebody. When he's on his yacht, and again, he's surrounded by scantily clad girls, he has become very overweight, very obese because he just eats and eats and eats. And when one of the girls points out to him that they love his cute little tummy, he basically says, oh, I sense that your words do not match your thoughts. You actually find this accumulation of body fat repugnant. And so he uses his powers to give himself rock hard abs once more. And the girls are all like, oh, my goodness. And they swoon and they catch the vapors. You know, I'm sure a couple of them were, were Southern and they they got the vapors. But in this scene, Frank is wearing another big leather suit. But in this case, it's green. So I don't think he's been wearing different suits. I think the artist has drawn him in the same suit from the get-go once they bought him this new big modern leather suit. And I think the colorist has just made it different colors. So it looks like Frank is changing his clothes for however long this issue lasts. I feel like this issue is, if not weeks, it's months, maybe even a year goes by during this issue. I don't know, but it, there, there is an accumulation of time here because then eventually Frank takes over the kingpin's operation. He uses his powers to make the kingpin and all his people feel loyal to him. He then decides, well, that's fun. I like that. Let's take it up a notch. And he takes over the entire world. Every person, every living thing, every plant, every animal, everything down to the smallest molecule, every atom is now under his control. Everything is his to command. And of course, Owen Reese, who is the Molecule Man, who his powers is that he has control over all Molecules. He's sitting on the couch with his his girl, Marsha Volcana, and they're watching TV, which is exactly what they were doing in their only other appearance in this series so far. In issue number one, they were watching TV. So apparently that's all these two do is just sit around and watch TV. She seems to be wearing Another unitard, maybe. I don't know. She might have shorts on. That's not not drawn very well. But he suddenly notices that all of her molecules are being controlled by some kind of outside force. And he looks at the bowl of popcorn that he's holding, and he can see that all the molecules in the popcorn is also being controlled by some sort of outside force. And so he realizes that it's the Beyonder's work. And rather than really do anything about it, he frees Marsha. From the Beyonders Control, she's so happy that she says, thanks, sweetums. I just love you oodles and oodles and oodles. Like, gross me out the door. And then they go back to watching TV. And he says, pass the popcorn, smuggle bunny. It's almost time for F Troop. Oh, goody, she says. And so they are the only two beings in the entire world that are able to act upon their own free will and they use that freedom to watch F Troop sit on the couch and watch F Troop which you know i'd probably do <laughs> i would probably do the same thing i don't think i would choose F Troop i don't know that i've ever watched an episode of F Troop but if i had the powers of the molecule man yeah i'd probably use them so that i could just stay home and do nothing all the time that would be pretty freaking awesome Almost paradise. so there's a moment after this in which The Beyonder meets a character by the name of Circuit Breaker who actually comes out of the Transformers comics. And we get uh, an editor's note to tell us to look at Transformers number seven to understand who Circuit Breaker is. I didn't look her up. She says here in the issue that she was crippled by a robot without this circuitized exoskeleton. Circuitized? That's a weird... Like circuits. She basically is covered in like these metal like circuitry. Some of the skin is showing in various places, you know, all the right places, if you ask me, you know what I'm saying? Because that's that's what they did with comics. But she said without all this, uh without this exoskeleton, she'd be helpless. But with it, she has the power to avenge herself. She says she hates robots, especially those which think an act of their own volition and seem to be alive. She's referring to the to the Transformers. It's really kind of interesting that we have a, a character from a book that technically is not a Marvel book. Marvel had the license at the time. They were doing G.I. Joe comics. They were doing Transformers comics. They were doing ROM Space Night. You know, these are comics based on toys that Marvel had the license to, 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 to do. And so it's interesting that he includes a character from the Transformers comics, but really with the exception of this one editor's note that says, for more on Circuit Breaker, see Transformers number nine, the name Transformers, you know, Optimus Prime, Megatron, none of that is, is included in this at all. She refers to them just as robots who seem to be alive, but they're not alive. They're soulless mockeries of life, cold dead steel. And for all their intricate programming, they have no true free will, no spirit, no creativity because they lack the spark of life. And of course, she's also being I- incredibly loyal to the Beyonder because he's using his powers to make everybody loyal to him. And then eventually, he Frank runs into uh, Toots again. She is no longer a prostitute. She is a waitress. And he sees her, he he basically goes to to seek her out because he's he's feeling restless. He's, he doesn't feel, you know, despite the fact that everything in the entire world, with the exception of Owen Reese, Marsha, and their bowl of popcorn, is under his control. He doesn't feel completely satisfied. He's not happy. And, you know, it's that age old question. Do, does money actually buy happiness? He has everything, literally everything in the world but he just he doesn't seem happy and he doesn't know why so he goes to find vinny he teleports to to find vinny to ask him for advice and he basically asks he says uh why am i not content why do i still know desire and vinny's response is beats me sir which he's calling him sir because of course vinny is under his control and the beyonder is very frustrated because he he's doing I, everything he thinks Vinny would do. He learned ev- all this from Vinny. And so he teleports away and he finds Toots. So he can ask her what to do because she, as he puts it, you taught me much that first night. Perhaps there is yet one more thing that you can teach me. Of course I shall, sir, if I can, she says, cause she's an automaton, just like everybody else. He says, I possess all there is. Why is that not enough? Do you know? Her response is, I know that I am yours. Every bit of me, I worship. And he interrupts her. He realizes he's not going to get an actual, true, honest answer out of her as long as she's under his thrall. So he frees her from his control and she tells him that, you know, she's really happy to see him. She tells him that she's given up her old life working for Cholo. She's got a regular job now. She's a waitress. And she tells him that it's all thanks to him. She says, you see, I never had much. And nobody ever treated me nice, but you did. And when you said people were just people to you, I realized that I could be like other people, like decent people. And she kisses him and she tells him that she loves him. And then she goes on to work. And it's because of that kiss that the Beyonder realizes that if he wants happiness in life, it's something that he has to work for. He has to earn it. He can't just take it. He feels like he he got this kiss from Toots. She gave that to him of her own free will, and she did so because he was a nice person to her. And so in essence, he earned that kiss, which apparently he really enjoyed. And so he frees the entire world and then immediately goes to the Avengers Mansion for some reason that they don't explain at all in this entire issue. He just goes to the Avengers Mansion, knocks on the door. Jarvis answers. He says he wants to speak to the Avengers. Jarvis asks him for his name. Who shall I say is calling, sir? He says, I am from beyond. Jarvis, of course, has heard of the Beyonder. The Avengers have talked about him, and I'm sure they have files on the Avengers. That doesn't make sense. And he explains to uh, the Beyonder after he invites him in and and gets him some tea that the Avengers aren't actually there at the moment. They're off in deep space. And I guess it is here where he kind of says what he's, he's wanting of the Avengers because after Jarvis tells him that the Avengers aren't in, he asks if there's anything that he can help him with. And the Beyonder says, perhaps conquering the world, I found, did not bring an end to the desire, but instead caused a greater sense of unfulfillment, of incompleteness. Possessions and power do not bring fulfillment. But moments ago, I enjoyed a most rewarding experience, the gratitude of another being. I would like to know more of this. Basically, he he knows that the Avengers, being superheroes, that they do what they do not for the reward, not for the money, not for the the love of the people. They do it because they want to help folks. They feel, they feel good knowing that they are helping other people. And he wants to know more about that. So I guess when I said earlier that they don't tell us at all in this issue why he wants the Avengers, I was talking out of my butt. I didn't know what I was talking about, because obviously they do explain it. He he wants to know more about what it's like to do selfless acts, basically. The the reward you might feel from doing good. For no other reason than wanting you know a desire to help others, not in doing so uh in order to get something in return and he explains to the beyonder or Jarvis explains to the Beyonder that they are in the scroll galaxy right now, and immediately the beyonder just teleports away and then within two panels, he's back in Manhattan. it's according to the box, the caption box hours later his shirt that he's wearing under his big red leather suit is in in it's in tatters it's torn. He's very sad. He says I really made a mess of that. It was horrible, disastrous. Oh well. And then that's when he strikes upon his next plan and says he needs to get Matt Murdock in order to do it. And that's where that's where the issue ends. It has a bit at the bottom when you get to the end of the issue it says the story continues in Daredevil number 223 wherein the services of Nelson and Murdoch, attorneys at law, are retained by the one from beyond. And in Hulk 312, wherein the one from beyond learns of the many other dimensions and realms which are part of our many-layered universe, Asgard, Dark Dimension, and Mephisto's realm, to name a few, and also learns the length and breadth of a man's soul trapped in the body of a savage green Goliath. In Avengers 260, Find out just what happened in the Scroll Galaxy. It's dot, dot, dot. Not a pretty sight. And then one month from now, which for us folks listening to the podcast a week from now, the threads of the epic saga of the Beyonder are gathered again in Secret Wars 2, number four, which guest stars the Avengers, sort of, Alpha Flight, the cast of Rom, briefly, and the Dazzler. Do not miss. Love is the answer. So, we're going to talk about this every single episode of course uh because with this podcast I'm of course reading all these DC and Marvel events and I'm only reading the main titles I'm not reading any of the tie-in issues and this is only my third this is season 3 of course but it's it's the first one in which you have to read the tie-in issues to really get the entire story and the way it's gone so far is what the, what they do what they well what they've done what Jim has set up here is he tells the first part of the story in issue 1, you then go to other titles to continue with the story which then leads into issue 2. Issue 2 continues in the tie-in issues which then leads into issue 3 and then so on and so forth. So, the big question of course that I that I have to ask every episode is, can I get everything I need to get about this story? Can I understand what the story is about. Can I follow along without reading the tie-in issues? And yeah, so far, yeah. I'm not having any trouble following along. However, I said it last episode, but three issues in now at this point and still have no idea what the actual story is about other than the Beyonder is trying to learn what it means to be human. And if that really is what Secret Wars 2 is about, I can understand why this was the single most hated book of 1985, because it's a freaking superhero book, and that's boring as hell. And with these three issues, that's really all we've done. We had issue one, where the Beyonder comes down to earth. He visits a writer, asks this writer, you know, what what does it mean to be human? And the writer basically uh, talks him into giving him a bunch of powers so he can take revenge on the people that have upset him. The X-Men and Captain America try to stop this guy. Sword, I think his name was. And then in issue two, which was mainly a tie-in to the storyline going on in the Fantastic Four at the time, didn't, still didn't really progress the story any further, just more of the Beyonder aimlessly walking New York, asking people, what is life? What is eating? What is sleep? What does life mean? What does it mean to be human and not really learning? He, he picks up little bits here and there, and it always seems to be the wrong stuff. And that's really the message here in this third issue. He finally finds somebody who takes the time to really teach him about life, but it's all the wrong lessons. And through that, he learns that it's not about what you have; it's about what you do. And so, with that lesson learned, what's what what the frick is the other four issues? Four? geez, what the frick is the other six issues going to be about? I don't know. I just know that I'm I'm sure I would be getting a lot more out of this story. I'd probably get a bit more understanding if I was reading the tie-in issues. However, I doubt that because I don't know if I mentioned this before, but last year I was trying to read through using the Marvel app, all of the Marvel comics starting at like 1984 or something. And when I got into 1985, I, I read issue one of Secret Wars 2, and I read issue two, and I read the tie-in issues between issue one and issue two, and the tie-in issues had nothing to do, not not really, with, with, with the main story that's going on in, in Secret Wars 2. The Captain America tie-in issue was literally uh, the Beyonder watching him as he fought the Armadillo. And through that, the Beyonder decided he was going to change his form to look like Steve Rogers. That was the Captain America tie-in. There were two Spider-Man tie-ins that were mainly centered around the aftermath of the Beyonder changing the office building that the Heroes for Hire office was in, changing that entire building into gold, which then collapsed on itself and had a bunch of people inside and killed a bunch of people. and. Spider-Man goes in and and is on a big rescue mission and the Kingpin is involved and blah, blah, blah. But it didn't really have a lot to do at all with what was going on in Secret Wars 2 other than the fact that it used the inciting incident of the building being turned into gold to create two Spider-Man stories out of it. So I don't know that any of these other issues would give me much more. Uh, I do recall there was an X-Men tie-in as well In which Rachel Summers has a conversation with the Beyonder at one point and talks to him about eating food. And then that is brought up in issue two. So when it comes to what happened in issue one, what happened in issue two, and the tie ins that were between, the only thing you really needed to know is that at one point the Beyonder talked to Rachel Summers, who told him about eating food. And even then you didn't need to read it because they tell you about it in a text box and in an editor's note in the issue. So yeah, do I need the tie-ins? Probably not. So far, my experience is in regard to the tie-ins between issue one and two, they were not necessary, uh, which tells me that the the, the tie-ins here, these aren't going to be necessary. Sure, we might get whatever it is that the Beyonder did in the Scroll Galaxy, but I'm sure in the end it has nothing to do with or at least very little to do with the, the the event itself. And all that does is make me feel more negative toward the story. Because if we're not getting much of a story out of the main nine issues, God, at least the tie-in should help beef that up a bit and and give you more, you know, more insight, more depth, more of what's going on. And And, and they don't seem to be doing that. And so with that in mind, a third of the way into the Secret Wars 2 event. And it seems to be just a bunch of chaotic nonsense, the ramblings of a madman, the type of story that one would write without any planning. There's a joke out there that somebody uh, somebody had pointed out a review that somebody had left on a, on a on an author's book that the book was terrible. It felt like the author was just making it up as he went along, which... You know, the joke is, of course, that's that's how you're everything that the writer puts in the book is something that the writer made up as he went along. But what that really means is that the author didn't have a plan and some people can do that. Stephen King's one of them. And so far, the first three issues of Secret Wars two feel like Jim Shooter didn't have a plan, or at least his plan was, I'm going to write a story in which the Beyonder comes to Earth and tries to learn what it means to be human and hijinks ensue. Let's see what happens. And so far, all that's happened is a big pile of crap. But hey, don't leave. Stick around, because next week we're going to talk about Secret Wars 2, issue number four. Love is the answer. Let's cross our fingers and hope that something actually happens. God, I hope so. Bye. Bye. Event or Else is a Stephen or Else production. Find more great podcasts at stephenorelse.com. Questions and comments can be directed to eventorelse at gmail.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month over at the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Stephen Orr. And in return, I'm going to do my very best to get you and your fellow patrons episodes just like this one before anybody else. I also encourage you to rate the show wherever available and share this episode with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. There's your <laughs> snore. <laughs> uh, that may go at the end of a sentence. It better. Thinking that the Beyonder is rich based only on... Such as... Such as having a... Such as having sex with multiple part, partner... It's just such a scandal, I get all flustered. Make... <laughs> If he has. After visiting Toot, Toots, I want to say Toots, that's what it looks like, and decides that if he is to rule. the. Oh, Art knocker. And so. The beyond. Crackhead. One you still. Go away.